AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Soft red winter wheat again led the rally in the grain markets. Corn today was more willing to tag along for the ride. Bean prices tried to get back some of yesterday's losses, but fell back to close mostly unchanged. Volatility remained high in the cattle complex with today's price pendulum swinging back to the upside. Live! Two Brian Zenta, one Brian leaves. Via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Pro Farmer's own Brian Grady. And directly following the news, Brian Split from AgMarket.net. They'll face off next time. Handsome newsman Davis Michelson, now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. There's no it's not true. Off. They're not going to actually face off. They're not actually going to They're going to both don't be on the people... show. Yes, no. don't, don't get people excited. Like no, two Brian's enter, one Brian leaves. It's I a get great it. setup. I get it. I get it. I get it. I just don't want people expecting, you know, like just violence on the mm-hmm. show or anything. Mm-hmm. That doesn't Death happen, matches. Davis. Death I mean, matches are outside our scope. Yes. I'm going to need to make some changes here. I mean. <laughs> Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. That, of course, is Davis Michelson. Hello, everyone. And uh, Wheat. Man, oh, man. Yeah, what a tear that that market is on right now. There's, uh, um, you know, I think it was. Go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna use a technical term here. Are you ready? Okay. Tell me yeah. if I'm using this correctly. Okay. Feels like a bit of an orographic lift has hit the wheat market. <laughs> well, huh? It, huh? That's, it it absolutely does feel it's that way. Snowing upward in wheat. It is snowing upward. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, it's climbing a mountain. There's no no question about that. And yeah. Climbing up out of a valley, big time. Apparently, it's this got the wind shear to do it too, because uh, <laughs> right, pretty it's good. It's got day. the lift. Yeah. It's got the lift. The, the, <laughs> the lift under the wings for sure, for sure. We'll talk to Brian Grady about what is going on in the cattle complex. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about what's happening in, uh, in in the wheat market as well. Uh, why all of a sudden? And you know what? It's not all of a sudden. China has been building up to this with their purchases of U.S. soft red winter wheat. So it's uh, uh, we'll find out what's going on from Brian Grady coming up here in just a bit. And, of course, Good. Brian Split will be along after the news. We'll get uh, get a technical rundown of whatever market he thinks uh, was most impressive in today's trade. Cool. All right, let's get mm-hmm. to it. What you got in the news? Well, Chip, March soft red winter wheat futures opened lower and dipped in the overnight session, but rallied back to once again post a high-range close. This was the sixth consecutive session with a low-range open and a high-range close, with March futures closing above 6.30 for the first time since September 6. USDA this morning announced the sale of 198,000 metric tons of U.S. SRW wheat for delivery to China in the current marketing year. Chip, this week, China is up to 638,000 metric tons of U.S. SRW wheat. March, hard red winter wheat futures were a nickel higher today, 6.62 and three quarters. March soft red wheat up 10 and three quarter cents to 631 and one quarter. March spring wheat closed at 739. That's up two and three quarter cents, Chip. Yeah, all told, that's got to be a million ton 
now in the daily export sales announcements from China. Uh, three previously announced, and then the two this week. So it's it's China's becoming a good market for our SRW. Well, tip March corn futures posted a fifth consecutive higher close and the first close above 490 since November 16. March corn has also rallied 20 cents from the November 29 low, but the contract still needs to trade through 496 and a half to break the pattern of lower lows and lower highs. Global corn importers continue to turn to Brazil for supplies. From August through November, Brazil shipped nearly 34 million metric tons of corn. That's a record pace for August through November corn sales by 28% chip. Traders are watching crop conditions with crop watchers knocking potential off the Brazilian Safrina corn crop. March corn futures were a nickel higher at 4.90 and one half. May corn up a nickel to 5.02. July corn futures closed at 5.10 and one quarter. That's a four and a half today. Yeah, I think Dr. Michael uh, Cordonier from Soybean and Corn Advisor, Pro Farmer Crop Consultant, took three million ton off the Brazilian corn crop today. So we'll talk to Brian about that coming up here in a bit. Well, Brazilian bean crop estimates are also inching to the downside, but Brazil continues to export beans at a record pace. So far this year, Brazil has exported 98 million metric tons of beans. That's up 18% from the record pace set just two years ago. January bean futures spiked psychological support at 13 bucks and the October 25 low of 12.97 and a half before recovering to close back at mid-range and just slightly below the opening range. Beans felt spillover support from wheat and corn and from the solid rally in soybean meal futures, January beans three quarters of one cent lower, thirteen oh five and a half. March beans unchanged, thirteen twenty six and a half. May beans closed at thirteen forty two and a half. That's up a half cent today. You know the way that the bean market has been trading, um, separate from wheat and corn. Mm-hmm. When it went through thirteen bucks today, I thought, boy, look out. Then it went through that twelve ninety seven and a half, and I thought, look out. Mm-hmm. The ability of it to come back, I think, was was pretty impressive. Those product markets have been given to plenty of fuel yeah. lately, too, as far as volatility goes. That's right. March cotton a penny higher, seventy nine sixty eight. On the livestock's Feb Live cattle posted an inside trading range with a low range open and a high range close. February live cattle a buck ninety higher today, one sixty eight ninety seven and a half. The April contract up a buck eighty to one seventy one fifty. January feeders jumped 417 and a half to 21470. Did someone say volatility, Chip? Yeah. And on the snout side, February lean hogs opened lower and near session highs and posted a low range close. Feb hogs a buck 45 lower today, 6935. April hogs down a dollar 45, 7610. Chip? Yeah, box beef, the heavyweight choice mm-hmm. graded box beef prices were lower again uh, this morning. Decent movement. But mm-hmm. uh, that lower price, I think, is is kind of limiting the ability of that cattle complex to recover oh. to the upside. I know those gains were huge, but yeah, these feeders still. are making me car sick. I'm not going to yeah. lie, I'm a yeah, little nauseous. That's exactly right. All right, let's bring in Brian Split, AgMarket.net. How you doing, Brian? Doing great, Chip. How you doing? Doing real fine, real fine. What impressed you the most today? Um, you know what? Meal spreads. Uh, okay. We haven't really seen much or heard much talk about that, but uh, January meal up nine and a half with March meal up 4.7. So, uh, you know, your Jan March meal spread very active. And uh, with uh, March, May and July, all around that $400 a ton, there's very good support there on the continuous chart. So got to wonder if this meal market's going to start seeing some buying again. Uh, we know that Argentina is at the last bit of their beans from their previous harvest, and that's going to make uh, meal very tight in that South America 
uh, scenario. But uh, corn, you know, I was looking back. We talked a lot about 2013, and in uh, corn, uh, D and March made some lows, very beginning of December, much like this year. And we got a little over a 5% rally until we bounced into uh, some highs made in December and then rolled over again into that January report. So that same percentage rally uh, with this year's low made it 470 and a half on the Mar March contract would take it back up to about 595. I'm sorry, 495. And uh, David said something I think is really important that 496 and a half high is critical. Um, so, you know, if we get that 25 cent rally, that would take us up to 495, 95 and a half right against that resistance. Um, and then we're going to see how interested the producer is in, in selling some more bushels. Um, the size of the commercial short is an indicator that uh, the, the crop is still uh, primarily in the producer's hands. And, it, and it's likely to, to be very difficult to get a long lasting, meaningful rally when you still have the, uh, the crop in the producer's hands versus the commercial hands. Yep. Yep. There's another 2013 comparison for you, isn't it? Uh, the last time that we had a commercial short this small, you got to go all the way back to 2013. So absolutely correct. You're spot on. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. Sounds great. See ya. <laughs> I Master Blaster run out of town. <laughs> Say louder. That was Brian Split. We got Brian Grady coming up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. In the morning... You're coffeeed up, and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. Uh, some interesting perspective there from Brian Split. No question about it when it comes to what is going on in these markets. And, and we've got March corn that is rolling up about a nickel away from meeting his upside objective and, and testing that resistance that we've got in in, um, in in March corn. Boy, if we could roll through that 496 and a half, Davis, score a new, score a higher high mm -hmm. in this downtrend that we've had since September, mm -hmm. uh, boy, that would be really nice. Uh, that, I think, would change some attitudes a little bit in here. It feels like there's a huge tripwire right across four ninety nine and three quarters. So five bucks is going to be tough, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I, I think it really will be. And uh, well, let's bring Brian Grady into the conversation here. Brian is the editor at Pro Farmer. He joins us every weekday for Markets Now and the Morning Report. We get a chance to talk with him in the afternoon show every now and then too. So hey, Beach, welcome back to the show, buddy. 
Yeah, great to be with you, Chip. Yep. Okay, let's start with that chart picture on corn that I was just talking about. Um, Brian Split made an interesting comment that you put another nickel on March corn. We're going to find out just how much interest there is in farmers to make some additional sales. Yeah, I, I I don't know if they're going to wait for a $5 tick before they start making some sales, are they? Uh, some will, uh, yeah. some won't. And, and, uh, you know, probably more will than, than should, um, in all honesty, but, uh, you know, seasonally, I, I think if, if you can put in your low about now that that's pretty typical. And, and so you can climb, it gives you a chance to climb through the winter months. But, uh, I think that the interesting thing right now is that wheat is typically a follower of yeah. corn and, uh, wheat is the leader of corn right now. And, and, uh, so that, that's a, critical dynamic i think that uh if it continues is something to to keep an eye on if if corn doesn't have to do the heavy lifting so to speak um it probably gives it a little bit more upside potential for a, a longer period of time putting my faith in wheat to lead the rally just ruined my confidence dude <laughs> well i wasn't here to ruin your confidence but uh, uh i will say that uh, wheat has a has some reasons uh and the primary yeah. one being that china has just been a very aggressive buyer here uh the past several days of of uh, us srw wheat and, yeah. and uh you know people may say well why are they buying srw wheat well it's priced a whole heck of a lot cheaper than hrw and, and spring wheat and, and uh, uh so china's out there looking for values i think at the moment in the srw market uh, provided those values you know i am a bit surprised that the that that u.s wheat is a value buy i just figured if they if if they would have gone to russia and said listen uh you're you're not competitive with u.s wheat change your price so that we can buy russian wheat i figured that would have happened well, that has been the uh, the case pretty much. You know, um, Russia's dominated the global market now for multiple years, and and uh, so uh, to see U.S. prices undercut, uh, the European Union's been an active exporter as well, and and uh, so um, you know, on a flat base perspective, uh, the U.S. isn't that uh, that been that overpriced. Um, it's the freight that's really really caused us uh, some yeah. issues over the years, and and uh, so, but. You know, China's the big dog, and when the big dog comes hunting, um, mm. you know it, it has a market impact, and and so um, you know that, that's largely why we've seen the the price strength we have in wheat here recently. Yeah, I think before yesterday's four forty, there were three one tens, one hundred and ten thousand metric ton sales announced. Is that right? Yeah. So um, as of last week's weekly export sales data, um, you know, which is a, a week old, but uh, there was 639,000 metric tons of outstanding sales on the books. Uh, for perspective, the last two days, we've added 638 um, to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, th those two are 1.277 million metric tons of, of outstanding sales on the books. And that mm -hmm. doesn't include anything that's under 100,000 metric tons that, that may have been done uh, that doesn't have to be reported right. via the, the daily system. Um, right. So uh, it, it could be an excess of that. Uh, so we're nearing 1.3 million tons of outstanding sales there. And and the uh, com total commitments uh, before all this happened was uh, just over a million 
metric tons. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, China's been relatively quiet. I, I think I, I mentioned that several times on, on your mm -hmm. daily show uh, with the Markets Now segment the, the past couple of days. And, and uh, uh, they haven't been so quiet the past two days. And, and right. so the, the market is responding more uh, is, to that. Uh... No, go ahead. Is this enough to change the balance sheet for wheat? Well, uh, you know, so the balance sheet for wheat isn't that bad, I, I don't think, um, to begin right. with. It's, it's just that uh, we needed a, a bullish reason, um, you know, and this yeah. all goes back to when Russia invaded Ukraine and prices shot way too high yeah. and, and got everything out of balance. And, and it takes a while for markets to recalibrate. And that's yeah. we're in that process right now. And it just happens to be that uh, export demand is the one factor that the markets pay attention to. And when you look at our export demand, it's poor. Um, yeah. And uh, so, um, you know, the, the exports for 23, 24 are only projected to be 710 million bushels. Um, so yeah. that would be the lowest since 1971, 72, uh, Davis, uh, we're pretty familiar with 1971, 72, because that happens to be our birth year. Um, so right. we, mm -hmm. we know how many years ago that is. That's, uh, <laughs> 52 years ago, you know, or 53, however you look at it, but it's about the year they made the best tasting wine you can get. As I recall, is, is that right? That is. Pretty sure it was a vin vintage year. I think is how they <laughs> refer to that. It is by now, baby. <laughs> <laughs> It is by now. That's right. That's right. You know, I'm this morning. I was flashing back to the late '80s, early '90s, uh, when every day it seemed like there was a wheat sale announced uh, using the Export Enhancement Program, the EEP, EEP wheat, and it it seems like there was, you know, almost a daily announcement and. I don't feel like I've seen a string of U.S. wheat export sales announcements like we're seeing right now. And, I mean, it's been at least at least 10 years, Beach, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, as I think back over the years, uh, when Egypt went from a buyer yeah. of U.S. wheat, almost exclusively U.S. wheat, yep. to rarely buying U.S. wheat. Now, Egypt does its snap tenders, so they're not a, on a day-to-day -day basis and those types of things. But, uh, um, you know, that was really the the fundamental shift that I remember yep. in, in the wheat exports, uh, where the U.S. went from, hey, look at us, to, oh, boy, you know, here right. we got another year of, of poor exports that we got to deal with. Yeah, and our relations with Egypt now are poor enough that we've closed the uh, the wheat export the the uh, association of wheat exporters off is that what it whatever it is we've yeah, closed yeah, the bit we've closed the office in egypt that was there to help maintain relations and to keep it, those wheat exports going and it's just done yeah absolutely and that almost exclusively black sea now uh, yeah. you know if it's not russia it's ukraine or romania it's just yeah. you know everything is, is black sea black sea black sea and in the rare instance that it is something else it's coming from france going into right. egypt okay uh what did you think of uh michael cordonier's cut to the brazilian corn crop estimate uh so i you know I've, i think i've talked about this um but the the biggest issue in brazil is not soybeans it's corn and the reason it's corn is because safrina, the safrina crop makes up 75%, three quarters of, of the uh, total production. 
that's the crop that's planted after soybeans. So, um, you know, I, I just asked Michael the other day and I was talking to him and I said, Hey, you know, it appears to me that like cotton is probably the big winner out of everything that's happening in Brazil right now. Um, Safrina corn is probably the big loser and soybeans are somewhere in between. And he, he agreed with me wholeheartedly on that, that, uh, um, you know, some of those soybean acres are being torn up and and going to be planted to cotton uh, because they think that there's a greater uh, or not greater, there's less risk um, to, to plant that cotton crop Mm. than there would be to try to replant soybeans and then come behind it with a uh, safrina corn crop. So um, safrina corn acreage is going to be down significantly. That's a story that the the market hasn't dealt with yet. And, and uh, quite honestly, they don't have to, they, they have some time if they choose to. And, and uh, so that may not be a factor until we get into that uh, late January, early February timeframe when you normally be talking about safrina corn planting, but uh, right. that 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 will be, I think, the big story coming out of uh, South America um, yeah. or out of Brazil this year is the safrina corn production. Gotcha. Um, not not necessarily the the soybeans. Soybeans are are still going to be big. It's just a matter of they they won't be as big as as what was right. thought. Right. Right. Gotcha. Well, here we are. You know, we're we're watching Brazil import uh, more corn August November when. Usually, as you mentioned, we'd be putting in a seasonal low that is built on export demand. Instead, importers are still going to Brazil. We're going to talk to Cattle Complex next with Brian Grady from Pro Farmer. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where March HRW wheat futures were a nickel higher, 662 and three quarters. March soft red wheat up 10 and three quarter cents to 631 and one quarter. March corn futures were a nickel higher at 490 and one half. May corn up a nickel, 502. January soybeans three quarters of one cent lower at 1305 and one half. March beans closed steady, 1326 and one half. March cotton one whole penny higher, 7968. On your livestocks, February fat cattle a buck ninety higher, one sixty-eight ninety-seven and one half. January feeders up four seventeen and one half to two fourteen seventy. And over on the snout side, February lean hogs a buck forty-five lower, sixty-nine thirty-five in the April contract. Down a buck forty-five, seventy-six ten. Get more market news every market day. Tryprofarmer.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use.
Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. All I had to do was mention we're going to talk about the cattle complex, and that's what we get for a bump. <laughs> Welcome back to AgriTalk. Crazy train, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Welcome back. I'm Chip. That's Davis. We're in the middle of a conversation with Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady. Beach, let's go to that uh, cattle complex. Nice upside move today. But when I look at feeder cattle and that January contract and that slide, that long slide that that market made, from the contract highs that was posted, what, back in uh, back in September, yeah, we dropped fifty nine bucks, dude, sixty yeah. bucks from high to low. It's been an unbelievably relentless move. Yeah, so that you know, for months there, um, the cattle market was just up, and uh, funds defended long positions on every time it looked like maybe a top was in place. They would step in under the market and buy it and, and that all shifted um and shifted in a big way and and that's really been the the change there hasn't been that much change from a fundamental perspective right. uh, you can say that the the october um cattle on feed report surprised the market because the feeder uh placements were heavier than what was anticipated much heavier than what was anticipated and, and you know but it didn't really make that much of a difference from a fundamental perspective uh the difference has been that the funds flipped the switch and they went from buyers on breaks to active sellers on yeah. any kind of price strength. And, and the, the floor just fell out underneath the market. Yeah. Position management, money management, money flow, whatever you want to call it, uh, is the biggest change that we've experienced in this market because it's not all of a sudden that we're looking at a huge increase in beef supplies in this country. Uh, yeah, yeah no, you know, no. something that happened in the middle of all this was USDA said that we could start importing beef from Paraguay again. Big whoop. It, that's not going to be much, if any, beef at all coming in from Paraguay. But that, that the fact that the fundamentals have not changed much is the reason that these cattle guys Brian, I, they're they're losing their minds watching what's going on in this cattle every time it every day that it's lower. Yeah, it really just struggling right now to find yeah. a find footing in in the futures, in the cash market, and, and uh, you know the cash market four weeks in a row we've been down uh, almost ten fifty over that time. So yeah. um, ten dollars and fifty cents, uh, just an incredible drop. And and what we've seen, you know. Packers knew they had a supply situation mm-hmm. and what they did is uniformly uh, slowed down slaughters. It wasn't yeah. one plant. It wasn't two plants. They all did it together and slowed down the slaughter pace, which allowed them to manage that tight supply through the fall. And then we got the big break in prices since September. And, and uh, from there, uh, you know, they, they pretty yeah. much had control of the, the cash market uh, while the futures have been falling. Okay. So that slowdown in slaughter, I sure expected that if demand was, if if we were looking at 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 even steady demand, it would mean that box beef prices were going to have to work higher. 
Now, it's not like the box beef market has fall apart, fallen apart, but it's not working higher either. No. Uh, so we have record prices for the fall time frame. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's they're actually very good from a historical standpoint. Okay. It's just that we haven't seen the type of price strength that we thought we would. So, you know, if, if you can get that choice above $300 and, and use that as a, a level of support again, um, but we've we've struggled to push above three hundred dollars and and dips below it. We haven't gone very far, uh, but we just haven't haven't been able to get that upward push in in those wholesale prices. Right, right. What do you make of demand? And I know this is going to get you out into the outside markets and the economy and everything, uh, but let's go ahead and make that trip because it it feels a bit vulnerable right now. Yeah, so export demand is is a concern, uh, and it has been. It's been a, a pretty big concern. Uh, domestic demand has held up relatively well, um, and and that's despite uh, you know pork being a much cheaper uh, meat right now than than what mm-hmm. beef is. So uh, I I think we've weathered the storm really well, actually, from a, a demand perspective, domestic domestic demand perspective, and and. So, I, I guess I don't have as many concerns there. Uh, okay. Exports obviously are a concern. Um, we'll have to see how it plays out. But you know, just right now, it's it's kind of kind of neutral. Um, okay. I, I would say uh, negative on the exports. Uh, uh, neutral, maybe a little bit friendly on the domestic demand, and and but not enough there to to give you some support. I th- I think the biggest thing is like restaurant demand. So when we look mm-hmm. at food prices from USDA. Um, you know, that I, I talked about the retail prices, but it's so at mm-hmm. the grocery store, it's expensive when you go in and buy beef right now. Uh, but the consumer has continued to do so. The restaurant demand is the biggest concern, I think, from that yeah. angle is just it, it's really pricey to eat out and eat out uh, with mm-hmm. steaks and, and, you know, the, the higher end beef cuts. Yep. Yes, it certainly is. I mean, it, let's be honest. It's it's expensive to eat out, no matter what you get. You go get sandwiches, and and it's going to cost you a lot. Yeah. Uh, if if you're going to go get steak, you better be prepared to, you know, not not get sticker shock when you you get the bill. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, when you look at the at, at the restaurant sales, it's still chugging right along. It's it's pretty amazing the resiliency. And I know what the argument is. People got to eat, but you know I find cheaper ways to eat sometimes too. So yeah, eat, you know, going the the home route is a lot cheaper if you're looking to <laughs> save money. I mean, yep. the ability to to cook your own food, you know, buy it buy it at the meat case and, and cook your own is uh, um, always going to be significantly cheaper. Absolutely. Uh, if you happen to raise it on the farm. Uh, it Amen to that. Even, even cheaper my yep I, I love my freezer full of beef that uh cost me less per pound than what people are paying for hamburger you know yep. like the cheap hamburger at the grocery store so that's right love that love that you bet you bet buy a freezer and buy some beef from the producer <laughs> yeah <laughs> most economical felt... thing you can do yep uh, honestly. i i should i should have put the warning out to every... well i think i did i i might have davis uh back in september when we took delivery of the beef Oh yeah, yeah, you did. Yep. I was on the show that day, yep. Chip. Where you was? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the very end. Yep. I told everybody. I put the high in the market. I'm sure I did. I think I did. I think he did. 
<laughs> Why are you laughing so hard about that, Michelson? Oh, I saw something funny out the window. Something oh, else. Something else. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Talk to me about this hog market now, Beach. Um, I don't know what's next for this thing. Good grief. Well, a seasonal low is, is coming here. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly when it uh, will happen, but uh, I've actually been fairly encouraged by the hog market, uh, given what's happened in cattle and, and everything else. Uh, the seasonalities, obviously, um, you know, they're, they're fighting that right now. But uh, we just need the cash market to stabilize. Um, give some signs that it's put in a seasonal low, and then I think you'll see your buyer interest start to build in the uh, the futures. Um, probably the most interesting thing that I look at it right now is that the the cash index is sixty nine eighty four. Uh, the February futures are sixty nine thirty five, and mm-hmm. so um, you know just a slight discount Tight. in the February futures. Uh, they're not really convinced that the cash the you know that seasonal downturn in in the cash market will extend. But they're also not convinced that uh, that the a major low is is going to be posted and, and that the cash market's going to work higher. So that February contract probably means more than December. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. within a, a week or so of, of expiration, and and so watch that February and and if they start to build premium back into the the February contract, then they become more um, at at that point they become more confident that the, right. the seasonal lows in place. Yep. 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 I would love, love, love to see this market climb above Thursday's high. What was that? Seventy-two bucks. Seventy-two bucks even. If we can get that February contract out over seventy-two bucks, I'm going to feel pretty darn good about the ability of the market to work higher. But um, it, it was a after filling that gap, it was a quick retreat, uh, no doubt about it. Hey, I had some guys that wanted me to ask you about. 2024 corn and soybean acreage mix. What are you thinking? Yeah. Uh, well, our, our current projection, this could change, but currently uh, we see corn falling about 4 million acres to 90 million. Uh, soybean acres rising 5.5 million to 89 million. So almost almost equal on a corn-soybean uh, basis. So we'll have to see. The, the current uh, new crop price ratio is about 2.5 um just a little bit just a hair under that and and uh so would indicate that uh neutral to to favoring soybeans and and i think we will see a a big rebound in in soybean acreage um but boy a lot of a lot of things can change from now until seed starts to go on the ground in the spring so we'll have to see where it goes but uh, that's kind of what we're thinking right now is a you know 179 i guess that is uh combined between the two right right um there's a wide range out there right now on the on the early thoughts for 2024 acres. There really is. You know, I think there's a group that's looking at the ratio. There's a group that's looking at the revenue potential off of corn acres versus soybean acres. And right now they argue so corn isn't giving up any acres. Yeah, um, and and I I get range. it. Um, I I think that uh, just the the back to back years uh, of the uh, the corn acreage I, at some point in time, soybeans are going to pick up some acres and, and corn will lose some. Uh, yeah. Keep in mind, winter wheat acres are going to be down. Uh, you know, we'll get yeah. that figure from USDA in January, but the, those winter wheat uh, seedings are going to be down. We think about two million acres from where they were gotcha. uh, last year. Good stuff, Brian. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Absolutely. Thank you. You bet. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady.
To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Yo. Your pal Davis Michelson here. I'm flipping through my book here. I hosted, jeez, I don't know, last week, was it? Yeah. A couple of times. Yep. Somebody else was talking about the spreads, and I'll be doggone if I can't find it in my notes here. BJ the Split came spread. out swinging, playing the the uh, the meal spreads. Yep. And my conversation was about playing the meal oil spreads. Okay. Um. See when he when did, Brian Split was talking about uh, the meal spreads and why it is so important. Yep. Is is because it's a bull spread. More, the the bull spreads are working with the nearby contracts gaining at a quicker the March contract gaining at a quicker pace than the May. So what that suggests is Argentina is still out of soybeans to crush in a meal. They're not mm-hmm. selling any meal, and any meal demand around the globe that's going to happen is going to come to the U.S. And I think that's yeah. that's probably accurate. Uh, yeah. and that, that would be why the, the bean meal spreads are acting as strong as they are. It sounds like presently Mr. Grady is expecting just about a dead even split between corn and soybean plantings. Yeah. What did he say? Corn down like four million to ninety. He's yep. pushing beans up to eighty nine. Yep. You like that? Um I mean I don't know if I do or not. Mm-hmm. Um I understand where that uh where that estimate is coming from you want to flip them is it not enough beans oh, I don't. no okay no no i think i i think uh the trend is right for the, i think brian's got the trend right for sure uh but instead of four maybe two and instead of up five maybe up two mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that kind of a thing yeah um, I don't know if, if it goes quite as, as hard as what, uh, Brian is thinking right now. So, okay. but we'll, Fair enough. yeah, yeah. But Hey, well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. There's a lot of time between now and then too. Oh, yeah. I was just, just curious your, your initial well, thoughts there. there. There is, but there isn't the, a lot Not of the true. decisions have already been made. Yeah. 
Um, and I just, through some conversations, it, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of things going on agronomically. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, the, the farmer forum that we had two weeks ago, uh, with Tim Burrock and Steve Pittstick in the morning show, uh, Pitts, well, they both said, listen, the thing that's going to limit my corn acres is, is I got to get over to some soybeans on some corn on corn ground. So oh, you, just got to rotate know, it out. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they've got uh, some rootworm issues going on. Uh, that would be in Northeast Iowa and Northern Illinois. So that is, that's one thing to think that that would, would, uh, tip the scales a little bit more in Brian's direction mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. if there are some, some corn issues, corn disease issues and corn insect issues mm-hmm. that need to be dealt with, that it could, it could pull those corn acres back. Okay. Uh, more than what, what I'm thinking right now, more in line with yeah. what Brian is thinking. But I just got a text from a guy out in the Western belt that said, listen, we're dealing with soybean diseases like we've not dealt with before. I'm going to plant more corn. Oh, jeez. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So that's an agronomic concern. I don't know if quickly you can go over the uh, the economic concerns, but is there an impact from the cost of money on this specific decision? Corn or it beans, just, does the cost of money influence one way or the it, other? It just costs more money to grow corn. Okay. Um, there's more revenue potential from corn yet than there is on soybeans. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I want to lean to more, uh, I want to lean to less of a decline in corn acres. I still want to bring corn acres down, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to lean towards less of a decline than, than what Brian is thinking there, man, there's a lot of moving parts to this one. I know there are Davis. Yep. Yep. That agronomic thing, though, I mean, that is, that's a tough one to argue with. You can't talk yeah. your way out of it. You can't figure, you, you can't hedge your, you gotta, you gotta deal with it on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's a, that's a that's good right. one. That's right. Had a caller during the show today asked about, uh, let's see, it must have been sometime last week. Um, I said, listen, you know, we've got this, this move to the upside going in the wheat market. And, but don't be surprised if we see the Dece. SRW contract get back down and test that support love or test the low around 527 asked if I still think that's going to happen well we've sold 600 and some thousand metric tons of SRW wheat since then it, odds are odds are that as for now no we don't have to go back down and test that low uh it's the November 27 low I believe that's right November 27 low so move that over to the March contract, and that low would be at five fifty-six and a quarter. Uh, six straight days up. Mm-hmm. We now have a higher high on the chart. Uh, no, the chart action and the demand that's come into the market has uh, has changed my attitude. I mean, wow, long term. Wow, mm-hmm. huh? you got to be able to change because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. as market conditions change and. And that's exactly what's happening here is is yeah. the market conditions have changed. There's no question about it. So 
Looks like right. the weather has changed just a little bit. Insert segue here. Near Thank normal you. temperatures in the 6 to 10 day temperature. It took a little bit of that heat out. Yeah. Yeah, that's for December 11th through the 15th. Near normal temperatures across most of the Corn Belt. Uh, above normal temperatures expected up in the Dakotas. Below normal precipitation expected over the entire Corn Belt in the 8 to 14 day. December 13th through the 19th, the above normal temperatures are back in there for the Corn Belt. Call it near normal to below normal on the precip side of things. All right, thank you so much for listening today. Certainly appreciate it. Got to come back tomorrow morning. We're going to have a conversation with Jim Minturn about the Ag Economy Barometer. We'll have a farmer forum with Randy from Iowa and Chad from Illinois.